Welcome to the weekly edition of ESG Now, where we explore the natural environment, our society, and a company's governance structure through the lens of the weekly news. I'm your host, Mike DiCibato, and this week, Ken Bursch, the executive director of the Council of Institutional Investors and an all-knowing proxy god, joins Rick Marshall and me to discuss the new rule by the SEC to limit shareholder engagement. And then we get two hot takes by our analysts on Boeing and Saudi Aramco. Thanks for joining us. Stay tuned. All right, so engagement. What is it? It's talking with a company and telling them as a shareholder, as an owner, you want things to change. And it's a big thing for ESG. It's one of the main differentiators between traditional investing and ESG investing. And there are many types of engagement. You can sit down with a company and talk to them about things. You can call up the individual that's involved with investor relations. But one special form of engagement is shareholder proposals. And they're really important for all types of investors to be able to tell companies what they think as a collective. And they're especially important for ESG investors because there's actually a specific environmental and social shareholder proposal category that asks companies to say, you know, take care of their workers and also the environment. Go figure. But since 2016, the SEC has begun to take action by updating regulation and changing their interpretations of specific proposals. Basically, the SEC wants to make it harder for you, the shareholder, to vote your say. Their latest move, the SEC is proposing a modernization of the shareholder proposal rule that governs the process for shareholder proposals to be included in a company's proxy statement. And in those rare cases where there are a shareholder proposal that is included in a company's proxy, those proposals are then submitted to a shareholder vote at an annual meeting that is attended by shareholders. And then those shareholders are asked whether they want that proposal to be implemented even though when it is implemented, it's usually non-binding, but it includes things like a company needs to report on their carbon emissions. And for our stat card today, I'm going to give you some proposal stats. Just under half of the MSCI USA index constituents have ever faced a shareholder proposal. Basically, only 71 companies were targeted in all five years that we looked at, while 81 were targeted just once. And 75 of those 81 were targeted by just one shareholder proposal over the entire five-year period. So it's not that big of a thing. The number of proposals focused on governance issues exceeded the number focused on environmental and social issues every year. I should also note that. And except for a brief increase in the number of environmental and social proposals submitted in 2016-2017, they decreased. So, so what the hell is going on, SEC? Rick, why are they doing this? It seems like shareholder proposals aren't that prolific. This is very much part of a bigger movement to to give corporations more control, more say, more power, if you will, over what they disclose, how they disclose it, um, how they make their strategic decisions. And there's language around this being in support of um, enabling companies to take more of a long-term focus. But in fact, investors have been saying exactly the opposite. Uh, investors have been saying, look, we have a long-term focus here, and companies are operating on a very short-term view. We can say that this channel, this particular channel for communication around non-binding shareholder proposals that all investors um, can vote on, um, removing that from the equation really makes no sense in the current context. Uh, regardless of who is the 
the initial proponent, regardless of who files the shareholder proposal, um, on some level, even regardless of the specifics of the, the pr proposal, bringing that a specific issue like this onto the ballot and um, asking all investors to weigh in has been a great way of uh, for companies to, to gauge the sentiment of investors around these issues and removing that um, seems like seems like a terrible thing uh, it seems like seems like a horrible change in direction for for companies as well as investors yeah no, no I think yeah I, I think it is and in fact more broadly uh, the shareholder proposal is a good tool of private or ordering of folks sort of taking action and, and communicating with, with each other um, without the necessity of the government getting involved in it uh, with it with a rule so you don't need a rule that you must have an independent chair you can leave it up to uh, various forms of shareholder communication and the shareholder proposal has been particularly important on that topic over the years a lot of the talk at the sec is about engagement is good but i think it's about one-on-one -on -one engagement um, which is great uh, but also shareholders can be played off against each other uh, we have members who are frequently told, uh, particularly on issues on executive pay, that they're the only people who ever said this, and they don't believe that. Yeah, it's some scandalous stuff. And see, the SEC, they gave a bunch of reasons for why they did this, some formally, some informally. An informal one that was actually peddled by the U.S. Chamber of Commerce is that companies are afraid to go public. It's They're nervous now because um, it's not really appealing anymore. Investors are just too noisy. What do you think about that, Ken? Well, they say that. I mean, I think they it's it's actually a ludicrous argument um, that shareholder proposals are are keeping companies from going public. Um, on average, a company gets a shareholder proposal once every seven years. In truth, that's a, it's actually much less than that. It's uh, most shareholder proposals go to big established companies. So the idea that someone's not going to go public because they might, in the next seven years, be asked to provide better disclosure on their on their climate impacts is is ludicrous. And the and people at the SEC know it's ludicrous. Okay, so it's not about going public. Fine. What about all these proposals that don't get enough support in its press release about the modernization of the rule? Uh, that we're talking about. The SEC said it would no longer allow a proposal that got less than 5% of support to be resubmitted to shareholders in the following three years. They have other language about, you know, after it's gotten 25% of support and 30% of support. I encourage you all to go read that. But that's a good idea, right, Ken? You know, unpopular proposals are unpopular and they should be limited. But I might be missing something here. Were there any unpopular proposals that would catch my ear if I heard about the support they got initially. Shareholder proposals for board diversity back in the 90s, they were getting around 6%. Uh, it took a while for people to decide that that was an important issue um, and eventually got much higher support. So this would help kill an issue like that. First proposal that was really squarely on, on car, uh, climate change that I can find uh, was it at Exxon in 1990. It got 6%. Well, speaking of Exxon, we actually talked about last week uh, the big trial with the New York State Attorney. And Ken, you were saying before the call to Rick and I that a lot of the lobbying effort for this rule came from energy companies like Exxon, who need I not remind you listeners is in this heated battle with the New York State Attorney General over climate risks and defrauding investors by not properly uh, disclosing the climate risks that the company faces, or so the New York State Attorney General alleges. But anyway, Ken, you were saying when you talked to the Business Roundtable, if you remember listeners, the Business Roundtable is a 
pack of really powerful CEOs and they actually released this press release that said they need to do more. They can't just pay attention to shareholders. And they are they were concerned, Ken, you said, about these environmental proposals that weren't important to the company in their view. Like, you know, climate change. Uh, from what you were saying, it seems like uh, this is an attempt to erode any environmental and social issues that might come up, especially when shareholders ask a company to align its mission with a two-degree limit in temperature rise. They, well, they said, they said that that's micromanaging, that uh, whether or not a company sets goals is up to the company management. It's not appropriate for a shareholder proposal. Um, historically, the SEC is not much brought up. The concept of micromanagement, although it does appear in some document that goes way back, so that's been revived in the last couple of years, micromanagement, uh, and it's being used in a you know way that's troubling uh, by the SEC staff. That whole doctrine has been extended uh, in the last couple of years to make it more difficult, although not impossible, uh, to, to submit proposals on climate change. So I noted at the beginning of the call, and, and that was data that actually Rick provided me with, that uh, except for a brief increase in submitted proposals in 2016, 2017, there's been a decrease. So why is the SEC doing this now at, at the later stages of 2019? Why not in you know 2017 when there was a lot more shareholder proposals that were coming to bear on these companies? You know, it, it seems that we're in a very political moment at the SEC, which which is unfortunate. And, um, you know, this, this these were three to two votes this week, so along party lines. We've seen partisan politics even now co go so far as the Public Company Accounting Oversight Board, which really should be far removed from politics. So the SEC is very political right now. And some people say the fix is in. Uh, this is going to be done notwithstanding evidence. Um, or certainly investor views. Um, so, so we'll see. I think it's important to fight back um, and to, to try to um, insist that policy be based on evidence. Um, you know, on the shareholder proposal, the, the key um, incorrect claim is that companies are swamped with them uh, in a way that they've never been before. And that's just not true. The numbers have fluctuated, but not... You know, if you got historic data, it's not all that much. Yeah, we actually do have that historic data SEC come at us. We've got records going back to the beginning of the millennium. And I want to break it down more than I did in the beginning. For the five-year period between 2015 and 2019, based on our own data, just 11 companies were targeted by 20 or more shareholder proposals. Uh, guess which one had the most? ExxonMobil at 39, then Chevron at 30, Alphabet 25, JP Morgan 25, Citigroup 24, General Electric 23, McDonald's 23, Facebook 22, Netflix 21, Boeing 21, Amazon 20. Those are big companies. I'm sure they can handle some uh, a couple of shareholder proposals asking them for more reports on their carbon emissions or packaging waste. And so, Ken, I guess it would not be a stretch to say that this entire effort on the part of the SEC is intended to serve the interest of fewer than 60 large companies in all. There is no problem here with the shareholder proposal rule. It's really worked quite well. So there's a lot of energy being put into solving a problem that does not exist. At the um, micro level, actually, I did mean to come back around. There's a very strange element here that if support for the proposal declines, then it may be omitted. Um, and that, to me, is very problematic. It's, it's, if, if the support goes down by 10%, and what they mean is 10% of the previous vote. So if it goes from 40% to 
uh, less than 36%, a proposal then can be excluded because it shows investors are becoming less interested. So uh, votes on uh, separation of chair and CEO bounce around a lot, and a lot of it has to do with perceptions of how the company's doing. Um, so that rule would have prevented a proposal this year at Boeing to, to have an independent chair. All right. Thanks a lot, Ken. Thanks for joining us. Okay. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate it. And uh, uh, we'll, we'll see what happens here. That last thing Ken said about Boeing struck me because if you haven't heard, the company's CEO has been getting dragged by Congress and journalists for the systemic issues found in the building of its newest MAX airplane model. And actually Reuters reported that maybe the company was going to provide $1 billion U.S. in funding into an industry-wide pilot development. So I decided to get Umar Ashfaq, our analyst that covers Boeing, to give us his hot take on the $1 billion USD proposed. The problem with that Reuters article is it cites the source. And then I looked through the company's filings, the company's press releases. Nowhere is that $1 billion term uh, mentioned. And neither is that civil aviation um, civil aviation safety or something. That term, that term isn't present either. Oh, wow. I think Boeing is already on the back foot. One, their, their CEO or the chairman, they're both under a lot of, receiving a lot of flack for withholding information from the FAA. So they certainly need to do something. And initially they had blamed after the first, um, um, the, after the first crash that happened, they had blamed it on pilot inexperience. And all of that, now that it's been confirmed that it was MCAS that was at fault, so they definitely need to do something to improve um, not just um, the relationship with airlines, but also mend uh, the relationship with the regulatory authorities. And that's not all. Saudi Aramco, what is probably the biggest oil company in the world, is courting investors for its pending IPO. So I got our dedicated Saudi Aramco observer, Antonios Panagiotopoulos, to give me a take that is hotter than the Earth's surface if Saudi Aramco gets to burn all the fossil fuel it wants. Antonios, what's going on with this IPO? The biggest IPO, the Saudi Aramco says that they're going only to list 1% to 2% and based on some valuations that recently have hit the news, that would equate to around well, 20 to 40 billion USD, which is quite a, a big chunk. The valuation, again, ranges from 1.2 trillion to 2 trillion. From what we're hearing is that uh, Saudi wants to diversify away from oil and a, a vehicle to do that would be the public offering. Uh, so just uh, it remains to be seen whether proceeds from the IPO will indeed be diverted into renewables or uh, less reliance on oil. All right, that cool down end note is where we will land. I just wanted to thank Ken Bursch, the executive director of the Council of Institutional Investors, for joining Rick and me today. And thanks to Umar and Antonios for their hot takes. And thank you for your listenings, your many listens. 
If you like what you heard, don't forget to rate and review us. I am always trying to improve. And subscribe as you will. Thanks again, and talk to you next week. The MSCI ESG Research Podcast is provided by MSCI Inc.'s subsidiary, MSCI ESG Research LLC, a registered investment advisor under the Investment Advisors Act of 1940. And this recording and data mentioned herein has not been submitted to nor received approval from the United States Securities and Exchange Commission or any other regulatory body. The analysis discussed should not be taken as an indication or guarantee of any future performance, analysis, forecast, or prediction. The information contained in this recording is not for reproduction in whole or in part without prior written permission from MSCI ESG Research. None of the discussion or analysis put forth in this recording constitutes an offer to buy or sell or a promotion or recommendation of any security, financial instrument, or product or trading strategy. Further, none of the information is intended to constitute investment advice or recommendation to make or refrain from making any kind of investment decision and may not be relied on as such. The information provided here is as is, and the user of the information assumes the entire risk of any use it may make or permit to be made of the information. Thank you.